That was one of the best times of last week, being able to be with all those families here yesterday morning as we dedicated children to the Lord. What was beautiful is we had eight families that were being dedicated. Out of the eight families, um, there was 11 children. And a lot of times you don't see that. A lot of times you'll see a little baby being dedicated. What I love about Momentum Church is it's a place where people can reconnect with their faith. And a lot of times you'll have families that have left the church or teens that left the church. And as they've had children and they've come into life, they realize, man, going through life alone is not easy. Amen? And they have found that, that not only has Jesus opened his wide arms to them, but a church has opened their wide arms to them. And they have found a place where they can grow again. And um, amen, aren't you glad you don't burn the bridges on faith? Aren't you glad about that? Maybe you're here today and you're making some bad choices. You've come to the right place, you know? Amen? Yes, because my wife makes lots of bad choices. She married me. So, no, I'm teasing, but, but no, we're so thankful yesterday that we were able to do that, and, and, and I'm, I'm a stupid guy. I think of numbers and things that connect, and yesterday there was 11 children that were dedicated to the Lord. Today is September 11th, and all I could think of was that 15 years ago today, one of the most tragic things that has ever hit this nation took place, and I don't know if you remember that day, but that night, many of us rushed to the church house. I mean, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But our church in Ohio was packed to the gills the night that the bombings took place. You couldn't find a seat in the church. We poured in because our hearts were heavy. Our hearts wanted to be together and our hearts wanted to hear from the Lord and have peace put upon us. And we were afraid and we had questions. And we filled that house, I'm telling you. And at least back home at that location, the newspapers came and all. It was it was a night like I'll never, ever forget that night, you know. And the thing is, it was the act of a few men for their faith that literally changed the world that day. Uh, now, faith in the wrong thing, amen, but the act of a few men that literally changed the world and it brought the world into a place of, of war and of division and of, of pain like we haven't seen amongst most of our generation, except some of us as we were young with the Vietnam era, but, but it brought division around the world like never before. And everybody say an act of faith. It was an act of faith. And today I just don't want that to be lost upon us as we've gathered back in the house of God. Back in a place where we look to him for answers and comfort and support. And, and, and I just want to take a moment to pray. Can we do that real quick? Jesus, I ask, this is a room full of people of faith. Faith in you, Jesus. The one and true only God. And Jesus, as we follow and serve you, we ask that you allow us, just as those have brought war, division, and, and pain, God, allow us to live our lives according to our faith and bring life. And bring health and bring healing in the name of Jesus wherever we go. Lord, this day is not lost on us. Lord, God, allow us to live our lives different because of it. Jesus, I ask that today those who lost loved ones, that today their hearts would be encouraged. Lord, I ask those that were uh, community service workers that ran into those buildings before they fell, that, God, you would be with their families today. So many tragic things loss of life. Lord God, undergird and support them this day, and let this anniversary, this memorial not be forgotten upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you guys. I think I'm going to do this with my wife tonight after Mo Um 
we always go out on Sunday nights just together for a little bit. It's what we do every week. And, and um, I'm going to go down to Kennesaw Battlefield. If you go down to the battlefield and drive across the front of the battlefield, there's um, over uh, 3,000 flags that have been set out in honor of every life lost. And I just think that would be a, a fitting way, at least for my, my wife and I tonight, to, to finish the night. And so um, you, you do as you please, but, but please today honor those that served and honor those that, that gave so much. Amen? Amen. And, um, and I know we have military people here today. I want to thank different ones. George, I just see different ones. Uh, Vernon, and um, I know I'm missing people, but thanks for all that you've done through the years. Amen? Amen. Open your box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peter. There's Peter. I knew I shouldn't start naming people because I'm going to miss bunches of you. But, um, but if you would today, open your Bibles up to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, and as you're turning there, um, man, worship was powerful today. I don't know about y'all, I, I, I literally could feel and sense the presence of God Almighty. I, I, there's, there's a few times in the presence of the Lord where you, you just feel a heaviness, and that's not a bad heaviness, amen? That's a good heaviness. It's the, the glory of God. It just, you just sense it and could just so sense that during worship, and I'm, I'm just thankful for what the Lord did in the first service and looking forward to what he's going to do in this service we started a series um, last week that really has taken a different direction than I even planned a month and a half ago or so when I started looking at doing this series. And the series is called Making Room, Making Room. And, um, and with that, uh, I was going a whole different direction. And the Lord, the last few weeks, has just been really stirring my heart toward what it looks like for us as believers to make room for Him to do what He desires in our lives. And, um, and, and we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I want to give you a little bit of a, a background. Last week we started in this series. A lot of people were gone because of, of, of Labor Day weekend. I hope you had a good time. Um, it was a great, great weekend. But as we look at the scriptures here in a second, we're going to see that God is the God of more than enough. I told you last week, one of the names of God in the Old Testament is the El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. I love it. It means the God of more than enough. Amen. It, it also means this. The God of, of all sufficiency. He's the all-sufficient one. That means there's nothing lacking in him. That he has everything in and of himself that you could ever need. He is God El Shaddai. I love it. Now, in the first service, they were quiet like you, and we had to wake them up a little bit. Can I tell you the Hebrew meaning of El Shaddai? Is that okay if I do that? All right, it means this. You guys ready? The multi-breasted one. All the men in the church are like, "Woo, Jesus, didn't know that. No, 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 it's the multi-breasted one. Why? Because a mama is the sufficiency for that child, right? But he's not just sufficient, he's all sufficient. He's more than enough, and so he is the multi-breasted one. I know that's weird, but that's good stuff. It's who our God is, the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the God of more than enough, and if he is all sufficient, then everything else in this world is less than sufficient. The problem is, everything else in this world, at times, grabs our attention. It grabs our focus. It grabs our finances. It grabs our agenda. It grabs our hearts. And the problem with that is, we make too much room for less. And I want to challenge us to make room for more. Amen? 
to make room for more. Too often, instead of making room for what we need to make room for, we make room for less in our lives. And I want to challenge us to stop making room for less and begin making room for more. Amen? And so let's stand to our feet, if you would. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 40. And we'll go back to the passage we looked at last week, and we'll work our way through. So go down here to verse 32. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. So God had a people going through the wilderness, and his intentions was to meet with those people. Aren't you glad God still wants to meet with his people? Amen? And so his intentions are to meet with the people, and he directs them to create a tabernacle, a space by which he would come and allow his glory and his presence to abide. And here's the story. is the first time they're going in to use the tabernacle, the first experience with the tabernacle. It goes on, and it says this. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. We see in this passage of scripture that God has created this tabernacle. The workers have literally, remember last week, the workers literally told Moses, tell everybody to stop bringing stuff. You're bringing too much to be able to be used for the building materials. You're bringing too many people to be used as laborers. We're just, Moses tell them to stop bringing too many. There's too much. Say too much. Here's the thing about that. A too much God, a God of all sufficiency, a God that's El Shaddai, a God that's more than enough, he deserves too much, amen? He does. He deserves everything that we have. And so they're just responding accordingly, that this God, as we go through the wilderness, is wanting to meet with us. Yeah, we're bringing everything. And then Moses, he does the last bit of work on the tabernacle, and it says this. It says, Moses finished the work. And what I love about that was that he finished the work. Moses finished the work. But you're going to see here that he didn't go into the work. All right? Let me pray. I want you to sit down for a second because you're standing. Father, I ask that today as we get into this word that you would stir our hearts, that you would touch our family, and that we would be different and changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. And so when it comes down to this passage of Scripture, Moses finishes the work. It says in verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. As a young person, when I would hear this passage taught by my, my, my dad and other preachers, I would think this, God's presence showed up, and it was so amazing, you just couldn't even go into it. You know, you didn't, you didn't even have an invitation. It was just too much that, that he, he wouldn't even be able to walk in that glory. He wouldn't be able to walk in that, you know. And, and I believe that's the case. It says here, though, why? And I never saw this till a few weeks ago. Watch this. It says, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the clouds settled on it. The glory of God was there, and Moses wasn't able to enter it. But did you see where it says earlier, so Moses finished the work? Here's the thing about that. Moses is a representation of the law. The law will never get you into the presence of God. All right? So please, as we talk today about some serious things, about living holy, don't let that be something to where in your mind the enemy starts to tell you, oh, he's just preaching legalism, and because of legalism, I'm not bound to legalism, which is true, you're not. You know, don't, don't, but, but, but don't miss the, the greater truth we're going to get to, okay? 
Here's the thing. The law won't get you in there. Moses, representing the law, he finished the work, but then they weren't able to go in. But there's Jesus who on a cross stretched out his arms, and he said something powerful. He said, it is He said, it is what? Yeah, and when he said it is finished, literally, the the, the, the veil that separated you from the Holy of Holies, that physical veil was torn in the temple. Now, that temple's in the New Testament. This is a tabernacle, which is a type of the temple, temple in the Old Testament. But that veil is torn, and you can walk straight up into the presence of God. What the law couldn't do, what Moses couldn't do, Jesus could do for us. Isn't that awesome? And it's an invitation for us to come boldly into his presence, to have an interaction with God that I like how this verse says it, that is a tent of meeting, okay? I'm going to call it a tent. That's what the scripture says. This tabernacle is a tent of meeting. Now, in the Old Testament, it's a physical tent where God's presence would come and they would be able to meet, right? But, But would you tap yourself on the chest today? You are the tabernacle of God now. If you're a child of God, you are that place, that tent of meeting. The presence of God interacts with you. You are that, the Bible says, that temple not built with hands. You are literally a a, a church built as far as stone upon stone, supernaturally, by God. You are the place where God abides, where he dwells. Isn't that awesome? Because of what Jesus did. Now, it goes on, though. Watch what this says. It says, throughout all their journeys, let's go to verse 36. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. So a few things that we see here is that God's presence desires to show up, all right, that when God's presence shows up, that presence that God has moves, okay? Do you see this? It, it, it doesn't stay stationary. God's always moving, amen? What you experienced in God five years ago ought to be different than you're experiencing God today. The things of God are always moving. Now, I'm not saying changing, but moving. There should be some progress. Say progress. There should be a life that is going closer toward the promised land, closer toward the perfection of God, closer to what God desires for us, not satisfied with wilderness living, not satisfied outside of our Jerusalem or outside of our promised land, but leading us closer to. And what we see here is that these people, they would set out. When the cloud would lift and the cloud would move, they would say, that's all I need, you know? God, God, show me this. That's all I need. I'm taking my next step. By day, it'd be a cloud. By night, it'd be a fire. But I'm going toward what God is telling me to go toward. Isn't that awesome? And so you can see God leading these people this way. And so you see direction taking place by them being close to the cloud of God, by them having a heart to stay under what God is calling them to stay under. Another couple things you see, the cloud by day, if you're traveling, and especially on a motorcycle, when you're out in the sun, I like it when I have cloud cover. A nice cloud comes, and you, you can literally, on a motorcycle, you'll feel the coolness of that, right? You know why motorcycle riding is so much fun, right? Because it's the difference between watching a movie and going to a movie, or starring in the movie, you know? You, you watch a movie, that's driving a car. You star in the movie, that's riding a motorcycle, you know? It's, it's immersive, it's... 
And when you're driving in that cloud, you can feel the comfort of that and the coolness of that, you know. At night, it'd be fire. That, that fire by night, that spoke of protection, not just guidance. How many, how many camps? Amy and I love to camp. And when we're hiking, she wants me to build a fire. You know why? Because she doesn't want the bears coming around. I've never in my life seen a bear yet. I cannot wait to see a bear in the woods. Hasn't happened yet. But she's always, hey, can we make a fire, you know, because we don't want the bears to come around. And then I'm always like, baby, we can make a fire if you want. And then she's like, not that kind of fire. <laughs> actually, that's, that's, that's her saying that to me, actually. No, no. No, but, 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 but the truth of the matter is we stay in hammocks. And if you look at a hammock, it's actually a bear burrito. I don't know if you knew that. And so... So as they're traveling through the wilderness, though, the thing with it is this gave them a sense of protection as well. Fire by night keeps those animals and all the things away. It's good stuff. It's more. It's not less. God is always a God of bringing more to us. He's all sufficient. In him is nothing that lacks. And he desires for that sufficiency to be a part of our lives. The thing is, though, as he moves us to the promised land, he's moving. He's moving. And we as his people have got to find the cloud and stay up under it. We've got to find the light and stay up under it. There is no greater comfort in this world than the word of God. Amen? There's no greater light. The Bible says in Psalms 119 that it's a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. The word of God is that light by night. And so often, though, watch this, we see his word and we say, God, I know what your word says. And I see you saying, let's live our life by it. But I just don't know about walking up underneath that, that covering. I just don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Amen? Now, something Amy saw in this that I thought was beautiful before we go to another step here. Um, it says, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people would set out. So, so God's word over our lives should mobilize our steps, Right? God's word over our lives, we look at it and we say, you know what, I'm not living up to this. It's not to say, hey, I'm not living up to it. Who cares? Come on. But God, I'm not living up to it, so I'm going to try to order my steps. When the cloud rises over my life, I'm going to take my steps, and I'm going to order my steps and move with God. All right? Now, here's what's beautiful. How many live this perfect every day? And one person raised their hand, and you're self-righteous, I tell you. You sinned right there, right? No. None of us live that perfect every day. Here's something beautiful that God showed Amy, and she showed me. Half the stuff I preach is stuff that she shows me. <laughs> I, I'm kind of joking, but kind of. She's like, no, you're not. She, but here's, here's the Lord showed her. I love this. God didn't wait for a tabernacle to be built until they came into the promised land. He wanted a tabernacle built in the wilderness when there was imperfection. When they were complaining, and they were upset, and they didn't have faith, and they were struggling. Isn't that awesome? And so here's a beautiful picture of, of both grace, rising up under grace, and not using grace as an excuse. Not going, well, God's grace is there. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. God's grace says, hey, I'm going to empower you to follow the cloud. I'm going to equip you to follow the fire. And my word is that cloud. My word is that fire. And when I say go, go. And when you struggle, guess what? I'm still here. You don't have to wait till you get to the promised land and build some physical temple. It's never been about a physical temple anyhow. It's always been about the tent of meeting. It's always been about fellowship and meeting with God. And so we see here this picture that God's not waiting for perfection out of you, but he still wants to get you to everybody say more. He wants to get you to more. Amen? 
He wants to get you to his abundance and his blessing. He wants to get you to what he desires to have in your relationships and in your life and in your family. That more comes from following the cloud. That more comes from allowing his will and word to be over our lives, you know. And so here's the thing. Listen, I love this. The cloud was a means of separation from where they were to where they needed to be. So, example, they're in the wilderness, and here's where they are. And God says, hey, I need to get you closer to the promise. And so since I need to get you closer to the promise, I'm going to allow my cloud and my fire to be seen. And we're moving, people. We're going. Is that awesome? I don't want to go. Well, you don't have to go. Does he still love you? Yeah. He loves you. But the promise is over there. And so he gives you an invitation to separation. He gives you an invitation saying, hey, you can stay where you are or you can follow the cloud. And when the cloud set out, the Israelites would set out with the cloud. Amen? So in your life, there's got to come a determination where you say, hey, you know what, God? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But your word says it. And when it says go, I'm going. And you're going to have to help empower me to take those steps. But God... Your word, your cloud, if you will, your glory, your presence is going. Now, I love this, too. It's a picture of the glory of God resting upon a tabernacle. You guys, the glory is, 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 is um, the Shekinah. It's the, the presence of God. It's the manifest presence of God. It, it's not just some ooey-gooey weird feeling. It's God and all that he has showing up in that moment. And God wants that to rest on our lives. Amen? He wants his, the heaviness, the weight of glory, the kabod is what it says in, 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 in Hebrew. It's, it's the weightiness of God to rest. There's a mantle that he wants to rest upon you that makes you live different and carry yourself different. Does it make sense? And I don't expect that out of anybody. If you're here and you're not a Christ follower, man, I don't expect that out of you. Amen? But as Christ followers, us who are saying that we are his children, then Lord, like those Israelites, help us, God, to be your children. And when the cloud moves, that we set out to take step with the cloud. When the word shows it, that we step out to do that. Because that cloud was a means of separation from where they were to where they need to be. The same way God's word is a means of separation that leads us from where we are to where God wants us to be. Now here's the problem with that, all right? We don't talk much about separation in the church anymore, right? Aren't you kind of glad a little bit? I'll be honest. I mean, I, I was talking this past week with a lady, and she said, I was raised up in a fundamentalist church. And, you know, there's fundamentalists that are Baptists. There's fundamentalists that are Pentecostal, right? There's fundamentalists of all different backgrounds. And she said she was raised up in a fundamentalist church and, and had drug her kids to this church, these different churches through the years. And it was always, get right or get left. You know, it was always, you're going to burn, you know. And she said it got to the point where her kids now, as they're 17, 18 or so, they don't even want to be a part of church anymore. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. Come on, amen? That's not what I'm talking about here at all. I get that. I'm not saying that when I say separation or holiness because a lot of that can be self-righteousness. And a lot of that can look like, hey, it all looks good out here, and we never deal with anything. Because we all got to look the part, but we're dying in our private lives. That's, that's not what Momentum Church is all about. That's not what Jesus is all about. Amen? So I'm not saying that, but I am saying the church doesn't speak about separation that much anymore. And we need to, and here's the reason why. The reason why is because it's easy to believe. It's not easy to take the steps in that belief. Amen? 
and, and, and we live in a culture where that's okay. It'll sound like this in our culture. Here's what it sounds like. Well, that's just what I believe. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to believe that. It's just what I believe. Okay, I, I get that. And, and in some ways, I think as a pastor, I've kind of trained you that way too. When I'm, when I'm dealing with unchurched people, I'm dealing with the lost, and yeah, I'm not blowing them away with my beliefs. You know, I'm saying, look, when I read Scripture, this is what I see. And when I read Scripture, this is what I, I, I sense. This is, what, this is what God's saying to me. And, and I get that, Right? But what happens when two believers looking at the same word, and the one goes, well, you know, I just don't see it that way. But it is black, and it is white. It is not gray. And I'm not going to go through the list. Oh, you want me to go through the list, don't you? <laughs> I don't smoke, smoke drink, drink, cuss, or chew. Once in a while, I date some girls that do. But other than that, <laughs> no. No, we don't. <laughs> I'm not going to go through some list because that list is, is different. I get that. But there are some blacks and there are some whites. There's some things that are just clear as, as can be in the scripture. And, and a lot of times it will just sound like this. It sounds like, you know what, I know what the word says and stuff. But you know what, for me, this is my interpretation. I'm, I'm sorry. That's fine if that's what you want. But you just walked out from under the cloud. You just walked out from under the fire of God. You just walked out. The El Shaddai, the God and all his sufficiency, you just said, is not sufficient enough. But his word says this. I know, I believe that, but you know what? I believe it, but I, I can't live that. And God understands I can't live that. And so since I can't live that, I'm just not going to worry about it. Because God's grace just covers it all. I get that. And yes, I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. But I'm going to say as you get there to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of setbacks that you could have avoided if you just stayed under the cloud, if you just stayed under the fire. Amen? It's a place of separation. It's, it's God saying, here's, the, here's my word over you, and we're moving forward. Not, not, I believe that's important, but God, you go on, go on, I'm just going to stay over here. That's where the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. That's where the enemy robs from us when Jesus wants us to have life and life abundant. Amen? You can applaud. That's cool. I'm not good at that applause thing, how that works. So go ahead and just everybody applaud. I didn't hear that. No, I'm good. I never, I never get that rhythm quite right. And, and, and all right. <laughs> so the thing with it is, here, here's the reason why, is we, just, we, stop, we stop just believing and, 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 and begin walking after the cloud or, or stop just believing, rather, I'm saying it wrong. Stop just believing to where, yeah, I believe, but I'm not ordering my steps. Stop just believing. No, no. Begin walking after the cloud and fire of God's presence. You know, I believe this hurts. This ch I'm going to have to change if, I, if I'm embracing. Yeah, me too. This, this, I'm going to struggle if I embrace it. Yes, it's going to be a fight. Jesus said that we pick up our cross, you know, denying ourselves daily. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing as we grow separated unto him, you know. But here's the thing. We live in a day and time, though, when morality is relative and ethics are situational. Guys, can I just tell you, as Christ followers, it's not for us. Relativism, moral relativism and situational ethics, we've got our relativism, our morality set in stone right here. We've got our ethics set in stone right here. Amen? 
And when God says, I'm raising this over your life, you know what we do with our stuff that doesn't line up? The Bible says we submit that to his leadership, right? Man, and God walks us closer to that promised land, closer to what he has for us. So let me say it this way. As believers, we have to be a people that strive to walk where the cloud abides. That's who we are. People who strive to walk where the cloud abides. It says this, for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. It was always in the sight of them. It was always in their focus. And so we focus in on what he's saying over our lives, and we take steps to keep in step with that. Amen? To take steps accordingly. And, you know, I, I, I tell you what, what, what um, um, oh, let me, let me, let me wait. I, sometimes when you're preaching multiple services, I, I, get, I get a little ahead of myself. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Yes, I did right there. I, okay, here we go. <laughs> Say, help my pastor today. Thank you. My brain's a little bit everywhere. But when it comes down to it, um, we think when it says here this idea of throughout all their journeys, okay, so they're going toward the promised land, and your mind thinks, okay, the promised land's everything, and when we get there, then everything will be perfect, but God's with you through the wilderness. He's with you through that, and so listen, we think it's the destination that is so important. It's not. What's important is staying under the cloud. That's what our focus should be, staying under the word of God. The destination will take care of itself if you're under the cloud, Amen. If every day God helped me to submit myself to what you desire in my life. And a lot of times we pray and we want like fantastic words from the Lord. If somebody would just give me a word from the Lord so I knew what to do today. That happens. But normally it's just his expressed will right here that we live out each day. And it has great powerful impact in our lives. But we'll think the destination. When we get to the destination, then we'll be able to experience the temple life. Or then we'll be able to experience all that God has for us. Or then we'll be able to walk in the promise and the blessing. And, and so it'll sound like this. It'll sound like, well, I know what I'm doing right now isn't exactly what God wants me to do according to his word. But when I get married, okay, then I'll get my relationship right before God. Or then I'll make those better choices. But, or maybe for you, it's you're a high schooler. And I know I'm going through high school. God surely can't fault me as a high schooler for just making bad choices. Guess what high schoolers do? They make bad choices. They do. So do 30-somethings and 40-somethings and 50-somethings. Amen? Hopefully by the time we get 60, Craig, I'm hoping 60, maybe 70, we'll be all right. I'm hoping, okay? But, um, but we'll see. Anybody can tell me? No, no? You don't think so? Okay, okay. But that high schooler will, will say, you know what, I know what I've been taught, I know what God's stirring in my heart, but I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, and then miss out on God's best for them, you know? I've, I've seen it with college-age kids. I'm going to get through college, I'm just experimenting, I'm just doing this stuff, and then when I get out of college, I, I'll get things squared away, and you know what, a lot of you get the chance to do that. But here's the problem, there's a lot of people in this room that between 17 and 22, you made the most important decisions of your life, and you made them all wrong. Because you were thinking, you know what, someday I'll follow the will of God for my life. Someday I'll let his word rule over my life. Someday I'll make those choices based on the decisions that God would have me to make. But right now, I just got to do my thing. I just got to try some stuff. And what breaks my heart is you did that, and some of you are now struggling because you had kids out of wedlock, some of you, multiple marriages, some of you. I'm not putting condemnation, but now, thank God at 27 and 28, you're going, I need Jesus. I got kids coming up. What am I supposed to do with them? I need Jesus. 
And you show up here, and you know what we're going to do? We're not going to judge you one bit. We're going to open our arms and say, come on. You need Jesus, you know. And that's beautiful. And we can celebrate that, okay. But on the other side, I want to celebrate the fact that we can raise up a generation of young people from high school to college age that are going to choose in their heart to stay underneath the cloud. They can choose in their heart to stay underneath the fire and allow God's presence to permeate their life and lead their life and not have some of the pitfalls and stuff that we face because we went out from under the cloud. Amen? How many believes that for our teens and our, yeah, yeah. Some folks, you know, man, I'm going through, I'm going through a few years of military service. When I get done, then, then I'll, I'll get back to mom's faith or dad's faith, you know? Maybe some of you, whatever it is, you, know, you, you get what I'm trying to say. Where the cloud is, it's so important that that's the focus, not so much the destination. Because the cloud, you stay up underneath that, God will lead you to the destination. You make room for that, and he'll fill that room wide open with his benefits with all that he has for your life so where the cloud is the glory is i love that where the cloud is you saw that the glory set and then the cloud would raise up and move wherever the cloud went that's where the glory went that's where the presence of god went that's where the move of god went that's where the touch of god went and so where the cloud went that's where the glory was and where the glory was that's where the cloud was man i just i, just, I want to stay underneath the, the, the word i want to stay underneath god what he's doing in my life See, the reason why is because God has always desired to have a people separated unto himself. That's what he was doing with the Israelites. He was causing them to be separated to himself. And, and it makes sense because Jesus is called a groom in the word, and his church is called the bride, right? I don't know about you all. I don't want to share Amy with anybody. That's my girl. That's my bride. Maybe that puts into a better perspective when you've heard this from Scripture that the Lord is a jealous God. Remember that? Well, how can he be jealous? I'll tell you how. His love for you. That's how he can be jealous. He's jealous. Man, I tell you, that's my girl. You come and try to take my girl, I will, I, I, I will tell you not to. <laughs> you know? Why? She separated him to me. Man, July 9th, 1990-something. <laughs> Hold on. 94. It's on, it's, on, it's on my finger. 1994. She stood in an altar and she separated her heart unto me and myself unto her. Man, that place of meeting, that was a powerful place where I am hers and she is mine. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. That separation. I'm not expecting that out of people that aren't believers, but out of us that are believers, we've got to stop this whole, well, that's what you believe, that's what I believe. I, you know, it's, God understands. Would you like your spouse to treat you that way? No. God, what do you say? How am I supposed to live? And when you convict me, Lord, I recognize that's the cloud moving. I'm going to follow that conviction. He'll lead you right to a place of his best every time. God has always desired to have that people that's separated to him. In the Old Testament, we saw that the law separated people to him. All right? 
There was the pagans that were there in that region of Mesopotamia, that whole fertile crescent. And he wanted them to live different than the pagans. And God gave them a law to cause them to live different. In the New Testament, we see that same kind of separation. But it's not out of law that demands. It's out of an appreciation and a thanksgiving for the grace of God that allows us to be just free to follow. The Bible says it in the New Testament this way. You're in this world, but you're not of it. It's kind of a, a, a synthesis of this passage. I don't have a scripture up there for this one. But John chapter 17 it says this, and we're going to close with this. I, 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 we've got a lot to cover, and I'm, I told the first service that I'm not going to try to cover it all today. We're going to close here in a second. John chapter 17, um, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking to the disciples, or about the disciples, and he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. He's praying to God. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You see that? It's the word of God that separates us. It's the word of God that says, walk this way. And here it says, sanctify them. That means to be set apart as holy unto God. That's what sanctification means. Separation, to be set apart as holy unto God. It goes on and it says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Here's what I love about that. Jesus says, I'm sanctified. I'm consecrated. I'm set apart. And because of that, I want you to walk in that. The same way, he's God. He's El Shaddai. He has more than enough. And his more than enough kind of ministry to his people should be seen in our lives. But it's seen as he leads us from the wilderness into his, his promise, into his best for our life. And that takes place through, everybody say separation. And that separation, it's not to take from us. That separation is always to bring more, not less. Let's stand to our feet. Separation always is designed to bring more. It's, it's literally making room. Literally. God, I'm making room for you to do something in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm setting aside my desires, my, ish, my, my interests, my focus, my agenda, my, my passions. God, I'm making, everybody just go like this, go make it like this, just go like this. Just make room right there. Just make some room, you know. God, I'm just setting apart. I'm just making some room for you in my life. Literally, that's what that separation, God, I'll just separate me. So what does this have to do with this series? And when we get back together, we'll cover this a little bit more. That separation brings the glory of God. It brings the touch of God. And there's a word for that. And we're going to look at this word when we get together next time. What that word is, is the anointing. Say anointing. The anointing. The anointing. That is the touch of God upon his people. In that Old Testament, we saw his glory came and rested. And the same way his touch comes upon us. Oh, I want that, you know. I want to move with that. But so often what happens, we don't make room for the anointing of God. So we make room for less, but we don't make room for more. I'm just challenging you to, to let less be done. That, something that rises up in your heart that you know is outside of here and you're excusing it. No, 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 that's less. That's less thinking, God. I'm letting that be done. God, I want more. I want your anointing in my life. Amen? And here's why, all right? So often we make room for less, but we, make, we need to make room for more. Jesus desires to separate you from more. It's who he is. In Hebrews 1, 8 through 9, it says it this way. 
But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. In other words, that sign of authority, that sign that you have ruling authority, okay, that strength for life, that sign is righteousness. It's living holy. It's living separated unto God. And this is being spoken over Jesus. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. But I thought God did the same thing in everybody's life. The same access is there for everybody. But it's your choice. It's your choice to walk and stand under that cloud. To allow him to lead you and guide you, to separate you from where you are to where he wants to take you. It's, it's your choice. And here it shows that this anointing comes that will separate you from even more than your companions. I, I want to be one of those believers. You know believers like this. And I'm not saying I am. But there's believers in your life that you look to and you go, man, that's who I'm calling to get prayed for. That's, that's who I'm calling to get counsel from. I'm going through it. That's the person I'm calling to get some comfort from. Because for some reason, it's like God just moves in their life. You know people like that. There's people like that that I call that are right here in this room. And there's people like that that I call outside of this place. I see the anointing on their life. I see the touch of God on their life. And when I'm going through it, that's who I'm. More than their companions, they've risen up. And it's not for them to be seen. It's always for Jesus to be seen. Let me close with this just to set a foundation when we get together the next time. What is that anointing? What is that touch? What is that glory from God? It tells us in Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, that burden of the enemy over your life, that yoke of bondage of the enemy over your life. It says there'll come a day when that will be taken from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil, it says, that physical presence of the actual touch of God on your life. And so when you look at that, Somebody way smarter than me years ago, I didn't even know where I heard it the first time. I was a teenager. But somebody looked at that scripture, and they gave a definition to what the anointing is. And we're going to pray about this here in close. It is this. It is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. I love that. Man, I love that. The burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Why? Because God wants to bring more in your life. He wants to bring more freedom and more victory. and He wants his abundance in our life. And so right now, if you would close your, your, your eyes and just think in your heart, is there something, God, this week that you'll show me where I'm missing it? Is there something, God, this week where I'm not submitted in this area? Let God speak to you. And don't look at that as something of, 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 of condemnation. It's not. It's conviction. Let him convict you. Don't make excuses. God, I see this area of my life, and I submit it to you. I want your word over my life. And as you lead me by your word, I will follow. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I do in your name, Jesus, I speak and declare lives here that are under a bondage of the lie of the enemy, telling them they'll never be able to change, telling them they'll never be able to walk free, telling them that there's no possible way they could ever live up to this. Come against that in Jesus' name. Give them an understanding that the, the anointing comes to break yokes and to destroy burdens in Jesus' name.
those who, who life is burdensome, it's heavy, they're yoked up, their daily life just feels just constrained. God, let them know this week you're going to set them free. And that freedom comes when your glory comes. That freedom comes when your touch comes. And that touch comes, God, as they walk after you. Lord God, we thank you for that. Bless my friends today. In the name of Jesus, bless us, God, as we purpose in our hearts to make room for you and for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.com. Dot TV.